Hey, welcome to episode 72 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how you can't take the wine and leave the bread. Hey, everyone, I'm Paul, and I'm going to talk about how I'm not surprised when somebody fails in leadership. I'm Evan, and I'm going to talk about Tim Wheeler's favorite book of the Bible. I'm Brian, and I'm going to talk about how when we bear with one another, it actually helps us move through these hard things. Mm. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks so much for being on, you guys. Appreciate it. For sure. It's going to be fun. We're So this weekend, a kind of hot topic. We're talking about church hurt mm-hmm. a lot in this. Um, makes sense to talk about in a series where we're talking about, A, things to fortify in our own faith, kind of looking at things that could maybe derail our faith. So church hurt makes a lot of sense there. But then also reasons as to why people have left their faith. So makes a lot of sense to talk about on either front. And um, even this like proactive fear of church hurt is really what we're looking at this last weekend. So um, what I'd love to start with is like a, a great line from this weekend is like, if you haven't been hurt by the church, you will uh, at some point here soon. So how has how has, obviously, we've all been around the church for a while in different capacities, probably, um, in the growing up in the church, but then also on the ministry side of it. How have you seen um, the ripples or the effects of church hurt in your life? You can start anywhere. I can share. I don't know if I've personally been hurt by the church, but I remember being in a church when I was a long time ago in, in, when I was in high school, and I had four different youth pastors over my four kind of years of high school, and I just saw how that church just kind of spit and chewed youth pastors out. And I think it probably affected me more as it relates to, do I want to go into ministry? Because yeah. do I want to be part of a church that if I tick off the wrong family, if I don't say the right thing, if I don't have the right numbers that I'm going to be let go? And so there was that struggle there. I, I don't know if I would have called it church hurt, uh, or if I would still call it church hurt today, but certainly I could see the effects of how the church could engage its staff in such a way that would really hurt people in ministry. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And a very formative time to be watching that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And I don't know all the background, but from a, from this side of the, you know, wall, it looked like there was some stuff that was not right, but yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's, that's the hard part, right? I guess church hurt, any kind of hurt is so, um, subjectively drawn out so what I mean by that is some people are more sensitive than others and I think that's something to consider um, where you're, really, even, you're really sensitive aren't yeah, you yeah I'm, I'm super sensitive you know that about me your primary so quality be yeah. careful how you ask questions <laughs> yes but that idea right some people like any little misstep can cause deep pain that's right I don't want to minimize that and I'm not trying to cheapen that no but that is a reality that, you know, dealing with people in a world that has fallen to sin and been redeemed. We've been redeemed. We've been rescued. But we still deal with that fleshly desire, whether it's ambition or other things, that cause us to lash out in inappropriate ways or lead or rule like the Gentiles, right? I always go back to that, that conversation with Jesus and his disciples where they're kind of saying, well, I'm going to be first and you're going to be first because ambition is such wrapped into a lot of these hurts, whether it's, you know, even thinking through youth pastors or different pastors, right? Pastors, um, everybody thinks pastors are, are great. That's wonderful. But pastors deal with insecurity. They deal with fear. They deal with all the things that normal people deal with. Yeah. And they deal with it on a very public, you know, forum. Yeah. 
And so when something is biting at their insecurity, if they don't have a handle on it, they'll lash out inappropriately, right? And, and try to keep a lid on something. And that happens, you see that happen in churches, even with youth pastors, right? Youth pastors, really good teacher, getting some, you know, getting some attention, whatever. You'll see kind of squelching going on. That happens throughout, because ambition is rearing its ugly head. We saw that when Jesus is walking with the apostles and they're like, I want to be his right hand. Can my, you know, me and my brother, we're going to hang with you right close and everybody else will walk behind us. And Jesus says, look, do not think of it like that. That's not how you're to lead. You're supposed to be a servant. And so I think when you think through the fact that the, the church is made up of people, yeah. church hurt, that's why I, I like the line, right? It's going to happen. Yeah. It's just what you identify with the cause of it, I guess, that, that either steers you away or out of bounds of the fence. Um, you know, like you're, you've busted through the fence, and you're like, the whole church and the one who leads the church, the Lord of the church, is not worth my time. Yeah. I think that's where you cross the line when you put too much stake in people instead of looking at the Savior who's still looking at those people with patience and endurance and kindness and, and graciousness. And I think those are some things that I would say that I've just seen over time, right? Ambition gets in the way people's feelings which are very fickle and yeah. really hard to adjust to can sometimes just rear their head in, in ways that is hurtful and we should never seek to hurt people's feelings but at the same time sometimes we will unintentionally or we will intentionally right if we're proclaiming the message of Christ it is an offensive message to some and that's that's hard yeah yeah you know one of the things that you said was just this idea of people and we are imperfect and Nobody would disagree with this idea that people hurt people, yeah. right? We're all sinful, but the church is supposed to be the safe place. Yeah. And so for some reason, it seems like in the church, people won't hurt people. Like that's kind of this expectation that we have, which just seems totally backwards. Um, the church is always going to be imperfect because I'm a part of it. Yeah. And so as long as I'm at HDC, it's going to be an imperfect place because I'm here. But we don't live like that day to day. We think the church should be this perfect place where I'm going to treat you perfectly and you're going to treat me perfectly because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit prompts me often, but I yeah. fail. And then I'm going to hurt people, right? And so it's just this weird dynamic of the world is an imperfect place, but the church shouldn't be. And I don't know. I think that might cause some of these false expectations that then lead maybe to church hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think, I think expectations drive so much of the experience of church hurt because, and honestly, on the ministry side of things, we're maybe a little responsible for that too because sometimes our call into the family of God is like, this is the place where you're going to belong and we kind of give this pitch of like post-gospel, everything is perfect and it's just not. It's going to be a really bumpy ride and you're even going to bump up against some other Christians and be pretty surprised maybe by some of the things that they are still living in or some of the ways that they react to you and it's not going to be this perfect seamless thing but we actually like that's kind of our sales pitch is we kind of hype up the like every it's the best decision you're ever going to make but it doesn't mean that everything is going to run smoothly in your life going forward but if that's your expectation then man you're definitely going to be hurt by the church and i think that that's a a really important like 
um, you know, I think there's been some movements recently in church culture where we're trying to get a little bit better at like dampening down those like expectations to say, hey, this is a great decision, but also like there's some stuff that you got to know, like it's not all going to be perfect either. Because I actually think that sets you up for a lot better success in your walk than like you've just made the best decision and it's all rainbows from here. It's like, it's not, there's going to be some real big bumps. Um, and I think the way that we platform pastors in the American church and things like that, and we can really be prone to look at ministry leaders as perfect people. And so we can especially be hurt by them, whether it's something that they've done to us that's hurtful or we see them fall from that pedestal that we've placed them on and that causes that level of hurt. So I think when we come in, not with this like weird skepticism of like, I'm not going to trust anybody and it's just, you know, I'm going to kind of stay in my own little burrow into my hole in the church and like try to avoid getting hurt. But at the same time to say like, my pastors aren't perfect. The people I sit next to in the pews aren't perfect. It doesn't matter if you've been coming here for 60 years or this is your first weekend. Like it's not, these people aren't perfect. And um, I'm, I'm going to have to be okay with that. Like I'm going to bump shoulders with them a little bit. Yeah. And I think the New Testament's so good at addressing some of that, right? Because you have this tension, um, whether you call it cultural or racial, I, you know, I don't, that's hard to define because it wasn't, it's not necessarily race as we think of race, but the Jew and the Gentile mixing together now becoming one people of God was a huge thing in the New Testament that would, Paul was constantly bringing back up because it was always an issue. Because it's like, well, we got our way and our style, and what's up with these guys? We're better than you. Like no, us. we're better than yeah, you. They, they yeah. don't do the same thing that we do growing up with their kids and everything else. And it was very, very um, contentious at times in the church, even to the point where they had a council, right, in Acts, trying to figure out what are we going to require of these Gentiles, Gentiles. right? Yeah. These, these people that are nothing like us. They don't know the things that we know about God. And yet Jesus said, look, I'm opening the way to them. He sends an apostle directly to them who was a Jew of Jews. And he then throughout the New Testament is writing letters addressing all of that, right? Yeah. Like this, you have issues, but you've overcome them. You are sanctified, and yet you're still burdened with sin. You should be growing, and yet you will fall back. And, and Ephesians 4, I think, is, is a great passage. I'm just going to read a couple verses, but it says, therefore, I, a prisoner in the Lord, which I think is awesome, right? He says, I'm a prisoner. Mm -hmm. He was in prison, but he says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you've received with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful picture because he's urging them, right, to live worthy of the calling yeah. that you received. It was yours given to you you're not making it you are keeping it and and i think even you know todd when he came here he, he talked about how hearing that unity of the church spoken through tom and being reminded of the fact that we are keeping unity because it's found in christ so we've got to do it with humility gentleness patience and bearing with one another in love that is the call of the christian church when we stop thinking well i don't want to do those things I just want it to be easy not to have to do those things. That's when it's really hard and this church hurt rises its ugly head, I think. Yeah. 
And even the continuation of that passage, Paul's got this beautiful idea in his mind of when Caesar would bring like these, this triumphal entrance of people that he had conquered and they'd all be chained up behind him. And he talks about Jesus ascending to heaven and us being chained behind him one to another, which is this like such a cool picture for us to think about of Jesus coming to heaven and say, I got them. But when you think about that, it's like, well, I'm not connected to him if I'm not connected to them. And I think so much of this deconstruction movement is like, I love me and Jesus and we're good, but church people, I can't stand them, so I'm out. And when you disconnect from the church, it just seems like those people, they never really stay connected for him that long, with him that long, because there is just that kind of sense to all of the things that Paul writes that's like, you gotta kind of be connected to his people to be connected to him. Yeah. That thing, that, that goes hand in hand. Like there's this great um, line in a uh, album that I love um, that's actually on our like series recommendation page um, where they say this great line about communion, I take the wine and I leave the bread. And I thought, man, what a great like picture for this whole deconstruction movement is like, I'm just gonna take what Jesus has done for me, but like, who cares about the body? Like I just, that's all I need. And it's like, you don't get to split it up. Like you don't get to decide how it gets parsed out. Like you have to take those things together or forsake them. Mm -hmm. Like they come together. Or the brokenness, right? Yeah. The broken body. And I think it's when we stick around in the church and we start to have to show grace to some of the people that have hurt us, we realize how hurtful we are. Hmm. Right, like it's just kind of the longer you stick around and like I've got to show grace to this older generation because they're used to doing things this way. I got to show grace to this younger generation because they're wanting to do things this way. And then it's like, oh yeah, they're kind of showing a lot of grace to me as well. So it's a really interesting, like as you sit in that community, you just start to bump shoulders with people and realize like, yeah, I'm kind of a pain too. So I think we, we miss out on that when we try to yeah, or try to protect ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, the beautiful things about living life together with fellow believers is that we are all trying to pursue Jesus, but I know that I'm going to have to forgive my brother Paul, right? Paul is going to offend me. He has. <laughs> no. <laughs> not right? Paul. But maybe not Paul, but maybe Brian or Jackson. But, but seriously, Paul has offended me, and I've offended Paul. And, and part of the beauty of being a, a brother in Christ is that we get to forgive one another and demonstrate the forgiveness that God showed us. And I think that that is that's a beautiful picture to not just the people around us that are in the church, but the people around us that are not in the church. Well, and I think, you know, to your point, Evan, I think sometimes we can, we put our hope in the people of God or in our spouse or in our friendship or whatever. And then when they let us down, to your point about expectations, when they let us down, all of a sudden I'm hurt because I had this expectation you were going to do something. And I, for me, this is me personally speaking, how I've worked through all of that is I remind myself, am I following Jesus or am I following the people of God? Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm following Jesus. So when people say things like, I'm done with or- church because, you know, the church has hurt me. I'm done with organized religion, so it's just me and Jesus. I'm thinking, okay, I, I get that. Like, I understand that. However, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to love the people of God, his body, knowing that they are not my Savior. They're going to let me down. They're going to lie to me. They're going to manipulate me. They're going to not forgive me. You know, whatever the things are. So keep my focus on Jesus and it honestly, this is again, I'm speaking personally, it helps me not be hurt. Because when all of a sudden a pastor 
says something I don't like or does something that I was like, well, gosh, that doesn't seem very pastoral. I'm like, hold on. He's just another man. It's like, good news. He's not my savior. That's right. Like, okay, (laughs) Jesus still loves me and Jesus still forgives me. And yeah, they might've said it a wrong way or might've said it a way that I was in a bad place to receive it. And so I took offense, even though what they said was still with gentleness and kindness and love, but I was just in a bad place. You know, it just helps me because I think that's what it, it seems to me, a lot of the people that I know that have left the church, they always complain about the church did something wrong to or the me. to me or the people, and they, and 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 I think that that quote that you said about the wine and bread is is really a great. It's kind of stuck to me, like, oh man, that is how people view things. I want to take what Jesus did for me, yeah. but I don't want to have to engage with the messiness of the the people and the disciples. Obviously, had all that tension mixed up in their tribe for three years, and so. Just kind of for me to keep my mind going, hold on, I'm following Jesus, not the pastor. He's not my savior, not my small group leader, not my friend, not my spouse. And when I put all my hope in there, I'm going to get hurt for sure. And I and I also have to be connected to a church if I'm following him because that's where he wants me. He's the bride. The church is the bride. I mean, it's I mean, the old joke is like, I love Jesus, but I hate his bride. If you told me that we would probably not be friends. We're not hanging out. Yeah. Like, how silly is that? But that's how we've come. So you have to recognize, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to hang out with the bride. Yeah. The bride's going to offend me at times. The bride's going to tempt me at times. The bride's going to be, I'm going to be angry with the bride at times, but it's okay because I love Jesus and I'm going to keep following that. And that is funny when you, when you go back and think, if you, you know, read through the gospels and read through his interaction with disciples and you have Cephas, the rock, mm-hmm. right? Peter, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church on you. Now, we'll not get into all that because I know there's debate on who he's talking about there. But at the end of the day, we would all say Peter was kind of a hinging point mm-hmm. on which the church was built. And what did Peter do immediately before, you know, Christ died? Yeah. He denied him. That's his right. best friend. That's right. Right? I will die for you, Jesus. Yeah. And then immediately he's turning his back on him. Why? Because it was too hard to follow him. And so there's this sense that even in God's infinite wisdom and grace, he records the reality of the foundational person who the church was built upon, built on Jesus, but sure. but Peter is the one who sent that message out, starting in Jerusalem and then extending. He himself hurt the Savior That's right. in a very close relationship. That's how the church started. Yeah. Yeah. He is the first pastor of the church he's not a pope but he was the first pastor and he's a guy who succumbed to the temptation of protecting himself for fear of being hurt by associating with this savior and and so that's a reality check that we all need to understand and i think bear in mind right and that helps us maintain that humility that Mm -hmm. gentleness and that willfulness to say hey look i've offended you evan will you forgive me brother because I, I now realize what I did, and I need your forgiveness. Those are the things where the church is built, and it is bearing with one another. It is growing. You know, and it's interesting as you, as you say that, you know, and this is just for me, again, personally, I'm trying to not project what everybody else should do, but for me personally, it's been really healthy for me in the last few years to be thinking about, I don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever, they're at, whatever they said to me, I don't know what it's like to grow up in that family, that socioeconomic status where their theology, you know, I grew up in the church, they didn't. So they don't have all that maybe knowledge or experience or, or lingo. And so even when I think of hurt, I, 
if, if somebody said something to me, I always have to say, am I in a place to receive that? Or am I in a bad place? Because I, I might be, you know, I'm fighting with my wife and then I'll just come to work and Evan says something to me. And I'm like, I take, I take my anger out on Evan. Yeah. I'm it not has in, nothing to do with it. Yeah, I'm not in the right place. Or I take my frustration out because I'm not at a certain level in the organization. Or I'm not, you know, making enough money. And so you take it out on all these other people, which is what we see in culture, yeah. right? Like the haves and the have nots. So you're wrong because you're this, that, or the other thing. And that can seep into the church too. I mean, let's be honest, right? So, uh, but I have to remind myself, I don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. And I got to make sure that where I'm at is in a healthy place to, re- to not respond that they're actually attacking me. Because they might not be. Now, they might be. I mean, don't get me wrong. But they, they might not be. I'm just in a bad place. So when you said something to me, I'm like, you hurt me. And you didn't hurt me. I was just in a bad place. Yeah, yeah. And I find that when there's room to assume, yeah. we take the least generous assumption. That's right. Time and time again. Which is why that humility, like you were talking about, if I can remain humble and just be like, okay, I'm a sinner. I'm one beggar showing another beggar where I found food. Like I'm just a, you know. Well, because right, self-righteousness is when I take the best parts of myself and I stack them against the worst parts. It's of like me. Instagram. Right. I so take I the take, best parts of myself. I take all my good stuff and I take all your worst yeah. stuff and I say, well, I'm definitely better than <laughs> That's all. right. Because I didn't round myself out and I didn't round you out. That's right. Right. I just took the worst of you and the best of and me. And that makes me feel better. So yeah. So I stick not? with I stick with taking the best of me versus the worst of others. Instead of saying like, whoa, let me be connected to reality, mm-hmm. which is God's word. Mm-hmm. Let it reflect to me like, okay, hold on. Let's round me out as a person. Yeah. I'm good at some stuff. There's a lot of places that I fall short at sure. too. And so when I do that, well, now there's a little bit more accurate representation of me on the scale. I might not be able to round you out, but how can I take the most generous assumptions about you? Well, yeah, First Corinthians 13, love believes, you know, believes all, believes the best. I want to believe the best. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't. And then I get hurt. Yeah. You know, I, anyways. And I think if we're all going to bump into church hurt, like if we know that this is going to be inevitably part of the experience, the question is then, how does that serve? We talked about it a little bit this weekend. How does that serve to enhance my faith? Like, how could that actually be a faith builder instead of a faith destroyer? How could that almost fortify the fence of my faith instead of, you know, breaking it down completely? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll speak to experience from from my past. I wouldn't say I had church hurt. What I had was um, frustration with church frustration with people of the church, with hypocrisy of the church, with saying one thing and doing the opposite, and that continuing and being living in divided worlds of whether it's those that are quote-unquote secular, um, kids that I knew and hung out with in high school that were not Christians, that didn't go to church, that didn't go to Christian school, and then going to a Christian school, being involved in youth group, and seeing like the two different ways of acting and honestly the kids were more probably kind and moralistic in the secular worldview than the Christian one, which is very judgmental and and you know little little cells of where the popular ones were the whatever this that, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and it became a point of frustration to the point where I was like this is this is all a joke maybe this is just my parents faith and I don't really need to care about it then I added on to that, compounded onto that, other things that were pushing that reality, my false understanding of what was going on, just pushing it deeper into me. 
that there's no authority and you don't need that and you need no one and all of the things that that um, some of the stuff I was involved in was pushing me towards was this self-seeking independence that then swirls back because by God's grace I am his child and he called me to himself and I cannot turn away he called me to himself and I realized in that coming back to my senses so to speak you cannot place your faith in men and you cannot right. see them as a representation of God. There's only one man who does that. That's right. And that's, that, I think, is how it pushes you. If you can make it through, mm -hmm. right? If you don't give up on what this says foundationally, not on what you observe in everyday experience, because our, our understanding is so limited, even like Paul was suggesting. I don't know where they're coming from. I mean, I assume they're okay. Their parents both go to church, but man, they might be fighting and they might be having so much issues at home. And that kid is acting out of the, the tiny little worldview that he has mm -hmm. of what God is and what he does. Yeah. And so he's just responding like a fool because he probably is a fool and he may not know the Lord, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just because he's that hurt in the me. church. That's yeah. church hurt, Brian. That just was because he is in the church doesn't mean he is the church. Yeah, and right. that is so, you know such a part and that you know draws me to a, a, a verse in Romans 16 that I like this is one that you think about when it, you talk about getting through yeah. how do you deal with it is he says this is 16 Romans 16 17 now I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teachings that you learned avoid them because such people do not serve the Lord but their own appetites uh, they deceive the hearts of unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. There are plenty of people in the church that are seeking self-affirmation through the means of exercising authority, using gifting, whatever it is in the church. Because it's a platform to be embraced, like you say, held up, encouraged. But they're not speaking and they're not doing out of a love for Christ. They're doing out of a love for self. When you can see that, because there are some like that, and luckily I don't think many of us have experienced that like head on, but in other churches that definitely is true. But this idea of divisions or obstacles, if people are doing that, making it hard for you to approach God and the throne of God and the people of God, they probably aren't one of the people of God. He's, he doesn't say everything, because some teaching we don't like, but he says what you learned if it's contrary to the teaching that you learn, meaning what's here in Scripture, if it's contrary to that, man, don't worry about it. Stop looking at that as identifying that as church. Start looking at Him. And so yeah. that's how I worked through it, honestly, yeah. you know, Jackson, is, yeah. is I, I recognize by God's grace through dealing with people, wait a second, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Mm -hmm. And then it gave me such a hunger and desire to know Him through His Word and honestly, now I'm never surprised at what a church person would do. <laughs> no, same here. I mean, there's nothing that I haven't heard that church people it doesn't, have done. And you know, it doesn't phase me at all because <laughs> this is my God. It's so funny you say that because it's, it's and, and again, it might be a personality thing, so I forget. But it doesn't even surprise me when I hear of a Christian leader that falls. Right. If, if I hear of a church where the pastor's embezzled all the money, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that seems about, that seems about right. Like, and it doesn't detract me from my faith anymore because again, I go back to who am I following? Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus followers are going to sc screw up. Yes, we should be better. Yes, 
you know, I believe that because I believe we have the Holy Spirit in us. But I'm not even offended by it anymore. Uh, and maybe back in the day, I was really like, angry about it. Now I'm like, okay, he had an affair. Okay, he had, and that sounds, I mean, maybe it's depressing to say it that way, but just where I'm at. Yeah, you're not about the sin, but you recognize it. It happens and it okay. doesn't determine your faith. That's right. Sure. I was just going to say, I, I, the church I grew up at, yeah. the senior pastor, they replaced the senior pastor when I was in college, and that senior pastor quickly um, had a moral failure mm. um, within just a few years. And I wasn't a part of the church at that time. I was away at school, but I just remember like watching that and watching a lot of people really struggle with mm-hmm. that. And I think there's this idea of wolf in sheep's clothing. I think that there are sure. sometimes people that are in leadership, in Christian organizations, in the church, who aren't, I can't judge their heart. Are they pursuing the Lord and have a failure, or are they deceiving others? I'm not sure exactly what that's like, but I think that one of the things that I keep just, my mind keeps circling around is this idea that, that God's word is true. Even if it comes from the lips of someone who fails, God's word is true. Yeah. Right, and then God is true, and God is good, and so even when a person fails, we can. I think that's what we have to go back to, right? And the people that made it through that season of, of significant church hurt, that watched that pastor fail, the people that made it clung to God and clung to His Word, and so I think that to mm. me is it, that's where we have to go back to. And I think Todd said that, like the people that that make it through difficulty when they're wrestling with doubt and hurt, is. Do you believe that God's word is the authority for your life? Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. if we can cling to that, yeah. I think we're going to make it through. Yeah. yeah. Judas was performing miracles and helping people mm-hmm. and, and telling people the good news mm-hmm. of the Savior. And so, I mean, yeah, we see it all through, right? Yeah. Jesus dealt with some of the same stuff. That's right. That yeah. And, yeah. It, and it doesn't sting nearly as much when it's a headline. But when it's your pastor, yeah, that's then there's that aspect of, sure. I trusted you, or yeah. I've been learning from you. Do I need to go back through what I've been learning from you? And like, what do I keep? What do I get rid of? Like, so that I don't end up in the same which is, which is which is, which I agree. But I also think, but you should have already been doing that. You should be going to God's word, like you were saying, and following Jesus and recognizing even the pastor when he's teaching is still a flawed man. And he's got his ambitions all not perfect. He's got his self, uh, you know, his insecurities all there. And so don't so deconstruct and go, okay, I've been under this person's teaching for five years. Is any of it true? Because yeah. hold on, he's, was he teaching God's word? That's what Evan, you know, you said. Okay, that's what's true. Which is, I get that like some personalities aren't going to be that because they put their hope in, in the wrong way in that pastor or in that pastoral team or in that denomination or in that church instead of putting their hope in Jesus. Which is, is true, because we enjoy the ability to say, like, here's something tangible yeah. in front of me for me to put my hope in. Yeah. That feels more secure yeah. than God Almighty, who I can't see. But even though that is the most secure place my hope could be, it feels more secure to put it in other things. But I do think um, you know, that slips in probably for any of us to some extent that our hope starts to drift into other places. And when those places fail, it becomes that opportunity to honestly examine the own, our own inconsistency in our lives. Yeah. Like, man, my hope has not been in all the right places, the way that this hurts, the way that this stings. Like, 
I had a lot of hope riding on that guy. So I need to go back and retool some things myself. And when it becomes that opportunity for like, let me take a deeper dive onto how I can own some of this stuff a little bit better, how my hope can be placed here more firmly in God's word and in the person of Jesus, rather than the things that I can see and taste and touch and all of that. Yeah. Um, so how is a Jesus follower then? Could I be... Um, if I'm kind of, you know, a lot of us have said, man, I don't feel particularly hurt by the church. How do I kind of go on offense a little bit, knowing that there are some people in uh, my own church that have, um, man, they have some improper expectations of the church, so they're going to be hurt. Or their hope is fractured, it's divided in other places, and so hurt is coming their way. Or maybe even the inconsistencies in my life might bring hurt to them. So how can I be proactive as a Christ follower to really embody and represent him well and maybe be, is it possible to be preventative with church hurt? Yeah, I do think it comes down to um, embracing the reality of what the church should be centered around. And that is Christ and his teaching through the apostles, not um, the speeches given on Sunday mornings as they're not out of the inspired word of God, right? So that, um, and I'm thankful that, you know, here at High Desert Church, we're pretty tethered to this, that we, we try to ground and come out of this with principles instead of having principles and adding things you know, seasoning it with scripture, yeah. right? We're trying to actually extrapolate from scripture things to think about and the ways to appropriately approach the world. But if you are not aware of what's going on here, you can't know whether it's false or whether it's real. And so I think the proactive side is to be like the Bereans and search out the scriptures, trying to prove, and this is the apostle Paul telling them that, right? Like. Yeah. Do it like them, man. They listen to me, but they also say, well, what does God's word or, you know, ordained and inspired, what does it say? Does that jive with that? And so I think holding those tensions. And then the other thing I would say is the way to the way to hold, you know, kind of push through or if you've dealt with church hurt or things like that, it is to to live in the realm of the spirit. It is to, to exhibit and push into the filling of God, you know, through the spirit and be filled with the spirit. That is have those fruit come out, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things. As you're increasing in that, you are increasing in being able to see clearly like this giant light in front of me, it illumines what I need to see in my own life primarily first and then I worry less about everybody else's life because even as we've all kind of said as we deal with people it actually shines back on us our areas where we need to give up and surrender to the recreating power of Christ so the more we're dealing with ourselves the less we're worried about everyone else I guess and and for me that that's a huge part where and it's not this you know, flippancy. And I know, and Paul, you know, same thing, like you reflected, Paul, it's not, that doesn't phase you. It doesn't mean it doesn't grieve you. Right? Yeah. And that's still saying, yeah, happy. we are grieved by it, yeah. but it's like, I can't control that. I'm not going to get, that's not going to bring me down. It is unfortunate. But as I push into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things, man, I am, I'm, 
pretty much sitting securely behind the fence of my savior because yeah. he created you know this way and i can see that yeah well and even that's how uh, paul describes infancy in the faith right is tossed back and forth mm -hmm. i'm really unstable and so when somebody falls apart that i put my hope in everything right. falls apart in my faith mm -hmm. so hopefully as maturity comes we become more steadfast in the lord to say okay like again it's not that it's not a big deal and i'm not grieved by it but also like I'm still right where I was when this started. Yeah, that's really good. Other thoughts on proactive? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Brian's Bible here real quick. Um, there's a passage that I just constantly am reminded of um, in Isaiah chapter 40. And a shout out to our brother Tim Wheeler. <laughs> this is his favorite book. Yes, it is. And uh, Isaiah 40 it talks about this idea of of young men growing tired and weary. Um, and I think that sometimes we become weary in our faith. And so in verse um, 20, in verses 28 through 31 of chapter 40, um, it, there's just such good, good scriptural truth here for us. I just think we can lean into this. It says that God gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. You may become faint and weary. Young men stumble and fall. Right, and that those young men might be people that we esteem to be biblical leaders, even. Right, but it says at the end, it says, "But those who trust in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, will renew their strength." Right, and so I feel like a little bit like a broken record. But what are we hoping in? Are we hoping in our pastor? Are we hoping in our small group leader? Or are we hoping in the Lord? And if we're hoping in the Lord, He's going to give us the strength that we need. Right, and how do we do that? How do we hope in the Lord and make sure that that we are grounded on Him? Yeah. It's by reading his word and by being in his word. If the only time that I am in the word is on Sunday morning when a pastor tells me to open up my Bible, whew, that's pretty shaky ground, yeah. right? Yeah. If I'm in God's word regularly and I'm digesting it for myself and I'm really processing what it says, I think that's really where we need to be. And so I just, I'm going to keep going back to that, like God's word, God's word is where we need to be. You can't hope in what you don't know. Yeah, right. hard to have hope in yeah. something you don't have a relationship with, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, why God calls us to that is because he wants not just our minds and our mental ascent, but he wants our hearts, and he wants that transformation of our hearts, which comes from that um, continuous time in his word, in the community that he's created in the church. Because I do think that that pain, that bumping shoulders, is often the sanctification that's happening in our life. Like, I would say, like, when you run into it, like, don't be afraid. That's actually probably some good sanctification that's happening in you to be like, oh man, there were some maybe rough parts of me that needed to get chipped off by bumping into some of God's people. And that was a good thing. That wasn't a bad thing. So... No, it's been great. Thank you, you guys, for taking time to um, just talk through this. And, and Brian, I want to point out, too, you've got a great um, resource coming up here at the end of January for yeah. folks to be able to maybe come with some of these questions right. around Church Hurt. Would yeah. you just tell the them for a second? The Sunday conversation we're doing on the 29th, um, so that last Sunday, the fifth Sunday of the month, um, and it's at 6 here in the gym, or sorry, in Point Discovery, uh, but we're... We're just opening it up to questions. If you have questions about faith, maybe you're doubting something or a doctrine, something like that. We're going to try our best to answer, right? I got a panel of really good guys <laughs> um, and, and the guest speaker, Rick, he'll be here as well. So it'll be fun. Um, we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know how many people are going to show up, but we're looking forward to it. I got a few questions that have come in through the website and yeah. 
we'll answer those and we'll take live questions as well. So they're welcome good. to come. Yeah, it'll be good. That's great. We spent the whole episode talking about how not to put all your hope in pastors and come. We will give you the answers. We're like, come on, <laughs> come bring the questions. The We're gonna tether it back to this. Yeah, as much that'll as be good. That'll be good. <laughs> that's it. Nah, that's good. Answers are there. Well, that's all we got for this week of tangible takeaways, man. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend, and subscribe so that you get future videos as well. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.